We're so excited this morning to have author Ben Wolf joining us again. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey toward publication. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write Christian fantasy. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. And welcome back to the show, our first of 2024. We're so glad to have you all here, whether you're listening as a podcast or you're here live with us in our chat. We Our chat's already starting to wake up. Good morning to you all. Good morning, Purpose Behind the Pen. We're so glad you're here. She says, hello, ladies. Catherine Carroll is here as well. Good morning, Catherine. SL Perrin says, it's great to see you, ladies. Hello. Good morning. We're so glad to have all of you here. Oh, Shell is here as well. Good morning, Shell. Super early for you. We appreciate you. Um. If you are listening as a podcast and you've never joined our chat, we would love for you to come over on a Friday and join it because we have some really great Christian writers over here that just have a lot of wealth of information and are very encouraging and they're very encouraging to us. So we like to start every episode of this podcast with our what's up. It is a chance for us to share what's been going on in our personal lives. And uh, Tina, let's go with you. What's up with you, sweetheart? Well, I had the plague. (laughs) starting about three days before Christmas I started getting sick and then for two weeks after Christmas my husband and I were coughing so bad I Mm. think we maybe got a few hours of sleep in that whole two weeks and most of that was sitting up in a chair because I couldn't like that's the only position I could be in where I could stop coughing long enough to fall asleep and then he would start coughing and wake me up and or I'd start coughing wake him up it was really bad um, so like, I wanted to start the new year off with a bang. I wanted to like get right into my manuscript and get stuff done. And it was yesterday that I finally opened my manuscript for the first time since oh, wow. the new year, because I just been so sick. Um, but I was really excited yesterday and I got some good production done. So good. Glad That's you're awesome. feeling better. Yeah. Thanks. I had to go on antibiotics. Yeah, maybe if you'd gone, like, how long did you wait before you went to the doctor, just out of curiosity? Um, well, since I worked in the medical field, I know that most viruses oh. take 10 days to okay. resolve themselves. So on day 12, when new symptoms popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to go to the doctor. Yeah. So Since I'm stubborn, I always wait way too long. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> was like, did you wait too long? Because that's what I would have done. So. <coughs> So my what's up is I have been a cleaning and organizing maniac since New Year's. Um, Y'all know we we basically finished our basement. And so I've been ordering um, pieces of furniture to set up the homeschool area. And um, when we were doing the drywall, finishing the drywall, I took everything that was out there that we kind of had nowhere else to put. And I stuffed it in our laundry room when we had a path to go to the like washer and dryer. That's how we lived for a few months. Well, then I thought, you know what? All my scrapbook stuff is there and all this, I need to pull it all out and get it organized. So when we set up this whole school area, I can have everything at my fingertips. And um, what 
what a huge, like you think it's going to be something little, take me a few days to do this. And it's been, oh, uh, since the new year, I've been working on this, like, but I've been purging. That's the part that's the best. Like I'm getting rid of stuff. Like I thought that I was going to want forever and I'm getting rid of it and it feels so good. And so I think my office is going to be next because what I've discovered with getting rid of stuff and organizing it, it makes me want to get back to scrapbooking. It's one of those things that I really feel is a great artistic like outlet for me. I really enjoy it. And I know a lot of people don't scrapbook anymore, but it's just something I enjoy. Um, so I think that the next thing is I'm going to gut my office and I'm not sure what I'm going to do because it's so little. There's not a whole lot I can do, but I feel like it might give me a fresh start too with everything else. Cause you know, you guys know what I've been through for the past couple of years mm-hmm. and it's just been kind of like, it's just so hard for me to be excited about getting back into or doing anything, you know, author related. So um, I think maybe that's what I'm doing next. So that's my, what's up. Good for you because to tackle something that actually, excuse me, literally is in your hands and your control is Mm -hmm. probably very therapeutic. Like you can do this. This is up to me, you know? That is a great, I think that is a hundred percent. Yes. That's a great point. Yep. Well, how about you, Jamie? What's up with you? Well, I, um, as you know, have a porch goose who is uh, become beloved to me. And um, hopefully everybody saw his Holly Jolly outfit. He is the Fred to my Ebenezer and is very merrymaking when it comes to Christmas. So when I put his latest outfit on him, I was very sad that his old silk cat did not turn him into a real live goose that was <laughs> <turning> around. Tell <laughs> me, shared. Yeah. yeah. Look at him. Thump, thump, thump. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me definitely Dickens vibes when I'm looking yeah, at this. Yeah. I know. I was so sad that the winds we had lately blew his hat off a couple times. Um, this particular hat did not come with an elastic, so I just have to tie it kind of snug. But yes, there he is. He did not become uh, animated when I put the hat on, sadly. Is it a snowman yeah. outfit? I think so, because it's yeah. white with buttons. But like you said, I liked sort of the Dickens whatever. And yeah. when I was picking a Christmas outfit, I couldn't pick between this one and the other. So I decided this could be his January is wintry still uh, outfit. Well, I think Kurt looks smashing. Well, I, <laughs> I'm so glad you're having fun with this. Yes, thank you. I told him he looked ducky and he got offended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh all right okay we have some more people in our chat let me let's head on over there uh knitting narrative showed up as well she says good morning from suzanne getting ready for pt all right well we're glad to have you here suzanne all right so it has been a little over a year since we had our guest our latest guest with us and his name close out Jamie's picture here so I can see everything. If you recall when he joined us before, but Ben Wolf is with us again today. I'm going to bring you in, Ben. And hey. good morning, Ben. Good ben morning. Wolf is do, 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 do. sorry. All right. Today we're joined by Ben Wolf. He's an award-winning author of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and children's books. Great combination there. <laughs> When when not writing, he plays video games and chokes his friends in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Today, he is joining us to discuss mastering live events. Welcome back to the show, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, we're so glad to have you here. Like, do you seriously choke your friends? I just got to know. Like, <laughs> I do. I do. And I mean, these are friends that I've made through jujitsu. So uh, they're asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And just much. quickly, do you do Stardew Valley? What kind of gaming are we talking about? No, um, I, I'm familiar with that. But no, most of the gaming I do is is not really online gaming because I lost my appetite for the online competition portion of it. So I just sort of do my own stuff. So some mobile gaming, some old school gaming, stuff like that. Settlers of Catan or anything like that? Oh yeah. Um, we do have that one. I've, I've got a great board game called Nemesis, mm. uh, which is sort of like a survival horror board game. And it's super, super fun. It's fun to look at. By into. the way, it's pronounced yeah. Settlers of Catane, in case you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in your house. <laughs> That's what we call it. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry. All right, Ben. So we're talking today about live events. Now, how, what, first of all, how did you get involved in your first live event? So I had been teaching, <clears throat> excuse me, I had been teaching at uh, Christian Writers Conferences for many, many years. And later on in my teaching career, I had finally had some books out. And so I had done a few, you know, put your book in the bookstore at the conference and sell some books that way. But that didn't really count. My first mm -hmm. real live event was a local comic convention that some friends of one of my jujitsu friends uh, put up and, and decided to run here locally. And so my friend Tony at Jiu-Jitsu connected me with my current friends, Steve and Marcus, who were running this local show. And they said, oh, you're a local author. Well, why don't you, we'll give you a spot. Just come to the show and we'll give you a really nice spot. And they did. And that was fantastic. And so I just sort of pulled random things together that I had. And I think I purchased one freestanding backdrop display for mm -hmm. the the one sci-fi horror book that I had out at the time. I had that one and then I had my my children's book I'd punch a lion in his eye for you. Those were the two books that I took with me. <laughs> so pretty much the exact end of the spectrum there. I have something for little kids and I have this crazy rated R horror horror series as well. So um the first book of the series I should say at that point it was just the one book. Went to the show, sold a lot more books than I was expecting and thought maybe there's something to this but despite that and because i'm pretty risk averse i didn't do another show for like a year and a half but then mm. it was after that second show that i realized oh my goodness i i'm kind of good at this and i should probably do more of this and so that second event actually which was uh sort of a a, a traveling type show where i had to leave my house and leave my home area and go mm -hmm. down the street to Des Moines, Iowa, from where I live in Davenport. That's the one that really registered in my head. Like, if you do a bunch of these, you could you could supplement your income quite a bit, and mm -hmm. it might even buy you more time to do some writing. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened. Nice. It's so fascinating to me because I feel like in the world of independent authors, we're like you know, Facebook advertising and, and Amazon advertising and in like, you know, 
Um, and that is just beaten into us. And like, it's so yeah. frustrating. And we're at the mercy of those platforms on how we're going to get our books sold. Right. And you're taking it completely out of there. You're like completely taking it offline and going someplace where there are people like to actually buy the book physically right there from you. Yeah. It's fascinating. So what are some places So we've tried or Tina has tried it. Tina tried out a, um, it was full mm -hmm. of, like it was a writer's or a, how would you, what would you, how would you qualify it, Tina? An author? It was, a book, it was a book, they called it a book fair. Okay. And it was in a VFW hall in some town near Detroit. Um, and it was pretty much a flop because mm. the very few people from the outside came in. Sure. I Maybe it wasn't advertised well, but I did learn a lot because there were a lot of authors there with their displays and their different ways of doing things. And we kind of networked. We like, there was no customers. So we just basically walked around and talked to each other. Sure. Um, so I did learn a lot from other people. And I saw like the one girl who wrote steampunk and she was dressed up in costume, like with the, the funky glasses on her head, mm -hmm. like everybody noticed her immediately. Like, so certain yeah. things like that, um, I learned, but there were no customers. I didn't sell any books. So Tina, the next time you go do a live event, are you going to dress up like Chugiak? No. <laughs> <laughs> I All might right, buy so a Malamute and bring it with me, but I'm not going <laughs> to dress up. All right. So Ben, give us some suggestions. Like where, so that was kind of a flop, but where sure. should authors be going to sell their books? Well, Tina, since you write fantasy Comic conventions would be a good fit for you because mm -hmm. there's a lot of overlap in in what you write with the type of fandoms that you're going to find at a, a comic con type convention. That's good. I've had mixed results with book fairs. Sometimes they're really good if if people are showing up to the event. It's generally speaking, I'm going to sell some books. But the thing about a book fair is that everyone there is essentially selling the same thing. Sure, it's different genres, but you're competing with every other author there. Whereas at a comic convention, usually there are fewer authors. And so since you are one of the only choices, you're more likely to make a sale to any readers who happen to be coming by. That's smart. What a good perspective. Like and mm -hmm. you're, you're yeah. competing with, you know, deep fried Twinkies instead of, you yeah. know, uh, books. Yeah. Yeah. As a side note, completely unrelated, Deep Pride Twinkies is my stage name. We don't talk about it very much, but I just figured I'd let you know. <laughs> All right, what about what about other genres? Do you have any suggestions? Like, I write Christian romance. Yeah. I have no idea where I would go for you are, life. You, you could actually do some comic conventions, too, because there, a lot of the people who come to comic conventions would would probably be interested in reading romance. I have a lot of people at, at all sorts of events say, well, do, do you have any romance? And I have a little bit. It, it's not really like right. spot on except for maybe one or two books, but I, I have had some hits at comic conventions with those, but also for Christian romance and, and uh, historical fiction, look at going to local craft fairs because mm. people who enjoy craft uh, crafts and craft fairs that they, they like the experience of having something physical in their hands. You mentioned uh, yes. before the call that you're into scrapbooking. So you, you already understand the, yeah. the tactile response that you get when you get to hold your finished product. 
It's the same thing for a person who attends a craft fair. They're looking for something physical that they can interact with as opposed to your book being on Kindle. And so if you've got physical books there, not only are you probably going to be one of maybe the only author or maybe one of just a couple, two or three who show up at that type of event, but mm -hmm. you're also going to be, there's a big overlap between crafters and readers. A lot of them tend to be the same people. So mm -hmm. craft fairs would be a good one for uh, the romance and uh, historical genres, especially. Yeah, that's a really, really great idea. A real good point, too, because like you said, the whole like they have a different someone who goes to a craft fair is looking for, like you said, something to hold yeah. someone who um, reads books on Kindle. They're not going to be at the craft fair. So it's not right. like one or the other. You're reaching basically two different audiences that would like your books. So, and exactly. also you get that historical element. Crafter people tend to like, uh, you know, times gone by sort of uh, aesthetic. Also, imagine if you went to a comic con or something like that, the people who are dragged along to go with the person who's attending <laughs> the comic con will be yes, so happy true. to see you. Right. Yes. Well, I'm, I always thought I was an oddity that, cause I'm so into sci-fi, like, like I love science fiction movies and, and like that, but I read romance and I thought I was like the oddball out. My favorite, two, my favorite mo shoot TV shows of all time are Star Trek, the next generation and little house on the prairie. And people think that's so strange about me, but I, there's gotta be others out there. Right. So I don't know. People think you need weird. to write the mashup. <clears throat> I don't know. All right. Catherine says, that's a very good point about what competition is, what the competition is. At the Orlando Reads Books Fair, several readers said that they were overwhelmed and didn't buy. So that's many books. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, Kathy says, craft fairs are good venues for books. There were five authors at the last one I did. Interesting. Um, Piper says, asks, do you sell many ebooks in person? She says, I know when I was buying at 20 books, I had to be aware of how much space I had. So I did buy some ebooks. That's a great question, Piper. Uh, I've got an option now where all of my ebooks eventually will be on my website um, separately. And, but right now I have an option where if someone is interested in, in my books, but they don't necessarily want to get a print book, I hold up this sign that has a QR code on it mm -hmm. that lets them purchase almost my entire ebook library. Cause I've got one series that's with a publisher, so I can't sell the ebooks for that one, but they can purchase pretty much all my other books for one low price. And it, it's cheaper than it costs to buy them on Amazon by a little, little more than half actually. So I think the retail on them is 113 and so I just sell this package deal of all my books for 50 bucks. And so I've had a few people buy that, but for the most part, the focus is really on selling the print books. I only added that because I figured why not? And I think I've sold probably fewer than 10 of those since I implemented that strategy in August. 
That's a good segue to my question that I've been holding on to because I didn't know we have an outline. But um, (laughs) how many physical books? Because like back in the olden days of vanity publishers, the publishing house would want to sell you cases of books. And it's like, how do you know how many you can store, how many you can move at an event? How do you decide how many physical books to take with you, especially when you're a series author? Well, let me let me start out by saying that in my case, I am I am my own vanity publisher because I make myself buy tons and tons of books. Okay. So, um, seriously, I I probably in my garage right now I've got I would guess close to three, four, five hundred books, and that's not including my children's books, which I have to store down here because I don't have room for them in the garage. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I did a big order of those because uh, it drove the price way down. Uh, so probably I probably have close to a thousand books that are not part of like my own library. They're just, they're just books that I'm going to eventually sell. That's probably about how many I have in stock. Most of those are, are the children's books, probably at least half of them, maybe even more. But um, when I take books to shows, I'm taking several hundred with me at a time. And that seems like a lot. But the strategy behind that is that if you bring a lot of books and you show a lot of books, it looks like you're there to sell books. If you don't have enough books on your table, I've found, it looks like you're doing a book signing. And you may think, well, aren't those the same thing? Not in a reader's mind. In a reader's mind, if they're if it looks like you're sitting there with just two or three books on your table, they're like, Oh, do I have to already have a book? Maybe it's not like at the forefront Mm. of their mind, but it's rattling around in the back somewhere. And I don't want them to, to have that thought at all. So I stack them high and I watch them fly. That's my strategy. And it works really well. Yes. It's a lot of work to haul all these books in and out, but in the end it yields some pretty great results. And I do, I do end up bringing a lot of books home. A lot of books two and three, especially because you sell more of book one than anything else. But the payoff works out in the end because I sell a lot of omnibus copies too. Hmm. That's a great segue into Piper's question. How do you decide which books to bring? All of them first in series? You bring all of them, right? I bring them all. Always bring them all. Uh, If you've got a really, really long series, like a 10 book series, which eventually I will have, it probably will make sense to bring fewer copies of the later books in the series if i'm bringing 10 uh, this and these are rough numbers don't hold me to these numbers if i'm bringing 10 copies of book one i'm bringing five copies of books two and three uh, if i'm if i've got more books in the series beyond that usually i'm bringing three or four copies uh, and obviously the proportions are different because since i do so many shows uh, usually i'm bringing roughly double that so 20 20 copies of book one uh, 25, maybe if it's a really popular book, I do have some of my series sell better than others. So I kind of factor that in, uh, but with six series out now, it's, it's, I am still a big fan of just bringing a lot of books because mm-hmm. then it makes it, it makes it look like I'm there to do business. And as a result, I do sell a lot of these books, stack them high and watch them fly. Yep. I love it. Yep. Yeah. I think there's something about like authenticity to, or it, it, it makes you appear to be an authentic mm-hmm. author. The yes. person sitting there with just a few books may be an authentic author, but it, the appearance of that as someone walks by, it legitimizes you, I think, by having exactly. lots. So, yeah. 
Your signage um, does that too. That's why I have a big banner behind me with my face on it that says meet the legend, which I'm not a legend, but who knows? Like they, the readers don't know if I'm popular or not. They just see it and they're like, Oh, okay. And they don't right. stop to think, did he really design that himself and call himself a legend? Because absolutely I did, but that's not at the forefront of their mind. They're just like, Oh, this guy's an author. What does he write? And then they see my book covers, which are great book covers. So make sure you have great book covers. And then they, their eyes light up. And that's how I know that I've at least got them interested. And then we can have a conversation about books. A lot of the same things that, that are true for online selling would be true for this too. Good book cover, a mm -hmm. good book blurb. I remember reading in your book, I read your book a while ago, uh, reading it that um, you have a book sitting out in front of each one that's there for them to pick up. Yes. Right. Otherwise they're picking up otherwise. So it's a great book, everybody. You need to pick this up. So like all the things that, that we say on here that you need to do, like the good cover, the good, the blurb, mm -hmm. everything that like it, this holds true for a live event. All right. So I've decided that I'm going to do this. What's the first thing? What or what's the next thing I have to do? Like I've decided I'm going to do it. What do I do next? There's a long list of things that you need to okay. do. I shouldn't say a long list, but there's, there's a, an, a list of very important things that you need to do. So first of all, you, assuming you've already got your event picked out, you need to reserve a space at the event. Mm -hmm. That can vary in price. I do local shows. I do some traveling shows that cost in the, we'll say $40 to $85 range for a weekend where I set up in a shopping mall with uh, a traveling comic convention that's in my area here. They're, they're based in, in the quad cities where I live in Iowa and that moves around the Midwest. Those, those are pretty cheap. So I can jump into one of those. And I know that it, since it's a mall, a mall is also a great venue to consider, by the way, if yeah. you can ever join an event that's already happening in a mall, people come to the mall to shop. So th these are some of my favorites. So I make sure I reserve my spot. Once the spot is reserved, then I make sure I have enough inventory in terms of books because you can go and you can have great signage and you can have, have a cool tablecloth or a table runner or whatever. But if you don't have enough books, then you're not going to sell as many books as you, you're hoping to sell. So you've got to make sure you have enough inventory. As a side note, if anybody listening is in need of a printer other than Amazon, feel free to reach out to me. I do have a printing connection based here in the U S that does really great work there. Mm. They happen to be down the street from me and that's pretty convenient, but uh, they do also have a plant in Georgia. Uh, so we can get you books shipped from either of those locations. Anyway, that aside um, commercial aside, make sure you've got enough books because then you can stack them high and watch them fly. And it won't look like you're just there to do a book signing for a book that uh, the reader in front of you doesn't already have. And then uh, after that, I would say probably your display elements are the next most important thing. Is there a table going to be pro provided by the event? Some of these events will provide you an actual physical table. Sometimes you have to bring your own. If you have a lot of books published, you may need to bring a second or even a third or fourth table to fill up to, to use to carry all of your books or to showcase all of your books. At this point, I've got five tables because I've got 27 books out. Plus, I've got bookshelves, both the kind that sit on top of the table and the kind that are freestanding, just to sort of give that bookstore vibe. I've also got display racks that, like you would see in a bookstore where you just stack the books in a row. 
So I've got all these different display elements. You don't have to do that for your very first show. Those are pieces that I've added over time that I've invested in and that serve me well now that I have so many books out. But if you've only got a handful of books out, stick to the one table, stack them high, have a big stack in the back and a smaller stack in front. That And the smaller stack is the one that people are going to be taking the books from because that's accessible to them. And uh, buy, buy a, a colored tablecloth, something bright if you can, or if you write... If you write horror, for example, or if you write something dark, then you can go with a darker color, maybe a deep purple or a red, but get something that kind of stands out because most people will have like a basic black tablecloth and that's kind of boring. Mm. You can get a custom tablecloth. You can get a custom table runner. Those are more expensive. Don't make that investment until you're sure that this is something you want to keep doing. And then the last thing I would say is make sure you have some sort of cart, something that's heavy duty carts and and plastic bins of some sort that you can use cardboard boxes that the books come in as well. I found that the edges and the corners don't get as narfed up if something were to fall off. If you have them in a, a more durable plastic bin though. So that's, that's what I do, but then you need a cart to put them on. Cause otherwise you're carrying them from your car all the way mm-hmm. over to your spot. And that can be pretty labor intensive. So having a good roller cart or a dolly, is incredibly helpful for these shows as well. There's more to it. You can check out the book. I've got lots of advice in there. I list like every single element that I have for my, for my display at at these shows, but those are some of the essentials I would say. Yeah. The book is great. Lots of great information, but also lots of great pictures. I really appreciate Mm -hmm. when I bought the book and was reading it, that you gave actual pictures of your setup and different things. And that was, it's very, not only is it good for like an example but it was good it's inspirational it gets you excited about wanting to do these kind of events so okay i right. have another off script question before we sure. move okay. on um how do you behave during the event like what do you do with your hands like do you really engage with people who are browsing do like how do you know how to behave i mean if sure. you're weird introverty types i'm not yeah. saying i am I'm asking for a friend, of course. <laughs> Great question. And this is this is advice that I heard from, I don't know who it was a long time ago. Uh, they told the story of an author who was very, very introverted, who had to, but, but had done very well for himself. And so he had to, was constantly in front of people at book signings. And what he had done Uh, this person who had told me the story about this other author, the person told me that he was told that this author actually went out and took acting lessons just so he could act like he was enjoying himself at these (laughs) events. Now your mileage may vary of course. And and this is, this is an anecdote. So I don't know if it's true, but having taken some acting lessons myself, not for this purpose, but just because I did theater in high school and all that, I can tell you that it does help. Uh, So if you're supremely introverted and if you feel like you need some help, take some acting classes, maybe, maybe take a public speaking class just with the understanding that you aren't going to have to go give a talk in front of Carnegie hall necessarily, but it will help you interact with people on a regular basis. If you're doing these shows now more to your point, Jamie, to your question, 
I do really try to interact with people. If I'm if I'm feeling sluggish or if I'm worn out after a long day, maybe I won't be as jovial when I'm interacting with people. But I do try to interact with people who are already showing an interest in what I have there. So if they're walking past and they're like really scrutinizing the books, but they're still walking, I, I, hopefully I'm already standing, but if not, I'll stand up real quickly and say, Hey, what do you like to read? And that open-ended question, that's a basic sales tactic. Uh, And I go over a ton of different sales tactics in the book as well. But if you, if you ask, are you a reader? And they say yes or no, then the conversation's harder to continue as opposed to asking an open-ended question that isn't a yes or no question, then if you do that, then they're, they have to give a more detailed response. They say, oh, I like to read science fiction. I could say, oh, well, my science fiction books are right over here. What caught your eye over here, though? And then it's another open-ended question because they have to give me a specific answer. And then I can tell them about maybe the fantasy books they're looking at or the children's books or whatever. So asking those open-ended questions and just being ready and willing to engage with people, that's a huge, huge part of being able to make it in terms of Mm -hmm. selling, selling books at live events. I remember from reading your book um, that you don't want to be sitting behind your table in a chair because it looks like you're just not interested. Yep. Yep. Generally not. Yeah. What about bringing a friend? Oh, absolutely. Especially if your friend is a, a reader of your mm-hmm. books. There's nothing better in my opinion than having social proof that y- your books are in fact good. And yes, obviously this is a friend who's with you and they're helping you out. So obviously they're going to say your books are good, but what you can, what you can do is you can tailor that. You can say my friend, Justin comes, who's also an author. He comes with me to a lot of these shows and his first book is coming out later this year, but I'll turn to him and be like, well, Justin's read all these books. Justin, what's your favorite series? And then he'll tell them, well, it's the Call of Ancient Light series is actually my favorite so far. And then that immediately gets people to be like, all right, where's that one? So Mm -hmm. then it gives me an opportunity to tell them about that specific series. And then depending on who else I have with me, the answer will change. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just depends on who's able to make it to to the show with me that particular weekend. But yes, uh, my... The first, excuse me, the second show that I did, the one that I said was sort of the catalyst that made me think I should do more of this. I was with my friend Marcus who ran the big show that I had done locally. He was advertising Mm. for the next year's show. And so I got to share a table with him and he was telling people about the convention. And then anytime he would tell someone about the convention, he would turn to me and say, and this is Ben Wolf he's one of the authors who's going to be at the convention. You should definitely check out his books. And then people would, and they'd start buying it. And I'd be like, Marcus, thank you. I, I owe you dinner or something. Cause he was just incredibly, incredibly helpful in getting people to even take notice of the fact that I was there. And you only had a few books out then, right? Now I, I you have had lots. Yeah. And yeah. it still was profitable. So those of us that, you know, I only yeah. have one series out and Tina only has one series out and that we have some readers or sorry, sorry, some listeners who only have a book out. It's sure. still something we should be considering. Would I would agree? say so. Yeah. And the, the main difference between what I'm doing now and what I did when I only had a few books out is I, I just have more books to bring and with more options, I make more money mm-hmm. because I have, so I, my goal this is advice that is against a lot of what you hear in the industry. 
of stick to one genre, master that genre, get really good in that genre. That does work for a lot of people. For me, it does not work because I'm borderline ADHD and I like to bounce around. So mm-hmm. I, I try to do a lot of different genres for me, but also I found that at live events, the more options you have, the wider range of options you have, the more likely you are to have something for everybody. And so that's yeah. why I have books for all ages and I have this wide cross-section of genres that are available as well. And so having these different books available, that, that's been the difference for me in how much money I make. I, when, I w- when I had one or two books, I was making a couple hundred, maybe 300 if it was a really good show uh, in, in book sales. And that's so that's mm, 10, 15 books if you're selling them for for uh, 18 or $15 a piece, depending mm-hmm. on what you do with your pricing. Now, now, um, if I have a two day show and it's a mall show and I'm not making $2,000 in a weekend, it's, it's still a good show, but if I can get over $2,000, it's like, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And this past year I, I sold about $56,000 worth of books at shows. That's, wow. that's awesome. the metric. So I have a question. Yeah. But what if what would you say if um you if there were two or three authors that each had yeah. one or two books and had got a table together? Do you think that would work? It can work. I've got a friend named Mel Todd who teams up with a couple of other authors for a big show in Atlanta called Dragon Con. And it varies year to year, of course, because you, you can never really fully predict the flow of traffic, but the tables and at uh, at Dragon Con are expensive, so they pull their resources and share the load as far as that goes. And they each have several books out, but but the point is, yes, that that can be a great strategy if if it's too expensive to buy the table by yourself, or if you're just not sure. Splitting the cost with another author is totally legit, as long as the organization that you're doing the show with is okay with it. Mm. Excuse me. Some of those shows are not okay with it. Gen Con is an enormous gaming convention. It's one author per table. That's a rule that they have unless you buy a publisher table. But in that case, both authors or all the authors who are there have to be published by the same publishing house. So mm. just make sure you check the rules on that first. But if it's not against the rules, absolutely do it. It can help because then you can sell each other's books for each other and you can refer people. Well, if you like this fantasy series, you're going to love Tina's fantasy series as well, because it's similar in these ways, but here's how it's different. And then, so the other author at the table becomes the social proof for your books and then vice versa. Awesome. That is awesome. You know, Ben, before we started this, I told you there was no way we're going to be able to get through your whole book, but I feel like you've given us a lot. Like this was a great, a great show. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, Everyone thinks as well. So, as well. Piper says it's a great list of things to consider. Great suggestions. Thank you. Uh, Purpose Behind the Pen says that she needed this. I did too. I'm actually super excited. Um, I really am going to look at doing craft shows and then the fact that like the doing two different genres works for you. I was nervous about jumping from historical to contemporary romance Mm. and um, honestly like I want to. I just want to do it. and. Maybe the, maybe my online sales won't, you know, be so hot, but like, if I can do decent with these, then that's exciting. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. It sounds like 
visiting Ben's booth is like a Ben's and Noble store where there's yeah. <laughs> genres in this section and that section. Yeah. And that's, that's what I do. I've, I've got, I, I have my sci-fi horror stuff and then it gets gradually less extreme as I get down to the children's stuff. But yeah, I've got sci-fi in one area, fantasy in one area, children's in one area. And then I've got my random standalone sort of strategically placed throughout the display to, to catch people's attention because you just never know what is going to grab someone's attention. So I, I intentionally have multiple, I call them uh, impact covers that I set out specifically to like have someone point at that and laugh and, or, or want to grab it and take a look. So mm-hmm. that's, that's another strategy that I discuss in the book that y'all can check out as well and hopefully employ when you start doing your, your own shows. Yeah, that's great. All right. Before we let you go, one last thing. If you had one, one piece of advice to an author that was getting ready to head out to the first event, what would that piece of advice be? Be personable. The whatever the message that I always sign in my power author live events book is bond over books. And then I sign the book. I say, that's, that's the advice that I'm giving. That's the overarching advice for the book. Mm-hmm. If you can bond with the person in front of you, create a bond over books. It can be other people's books, or it can be the books that are right in front of you. The ones that you're trying to sell. That's ideal. Of course, if you can create that bond, it's really more about the bond that you're forging with that potential reader in front of you than it is necessarily even about the book itself. Because if they come to like you, they're more likely to buy a book from you. So that That would be my advice. Try to just find that common ground, have a good time, make sure that they have a really good experience by forming that bond over, over your books, ideally. That's excellent. All right. It is the second book in his Power Author series. It's called A Quick Guide to Mastering Live Events. You can follow Ben on Facebook in the Ben Wolf Pack. That's cute. And check out his author (laughs) website at www.benwolf.com. Thanks again so much, Ben. It was great having you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for hosting. Bye. 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 Yeah, that was great. That was so awesome. Yeah, I'm telling you the book. If you if you haven't read the book, haven't bought it yet, you need to to get it. You, I downloaded the ebook, gosh, over a year ago, and it was at that point I'm like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then life got in the way, right? But I'm so glad he was here because now I'm I'm um, excited again to do some live events. And so. it's a great time of year to be thinking about it. People are putting together their you know action plans and things like that. So right. really good to look at a calendar and see maybe make a goal of something later in the year. Yeah, Bennett said to me actually last year that January would be the best time to start looking because then you can start booking these events. So, um, yeah. yeah, we should look at Comic Cons. I'm not, if you would do a Comic Con, Tina, I would consider it. I don't think okay. I will get. I don't think I have as many sales, but it'd be interesting. But to then, try. like Catherine Carroll just said, there's a bunch of us that live in Michigan. We could like team up. And- oh, yeah. y'all could have your own little bookstore. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to see. It's exciting. This is something exciting. Let's see yeah. some new stuff happening in 2024. All right, it's that time 
of our show again, our favorite time, though. I can't say that this week because I really enjoyed that interview. But our favorite time of the week is our feeding of the backs. This is when we take a writing that we have we wrote it hot right um, out of the gate this morning. No editing, no looking at it again. And we share it live on here. So we only give positive and encouraging feedback. Jamie, I'm going to start with you. What was the prompt and what did you do with it? The prompt today was an actual quote. When the cat's away, the mice will play. And the rule is that you have to use that sentence in your story. Um, I did not. The way you the said rule. rule. Yeah. The, <laughs> the way you said rule, I'm going to guess you did not. Rule. Well, I mean, I did. I had no idea what I was going to write. And, and inevitably, what ends up happening is I don't get a beginning, middle, and end. So here's what you get today <clears throat> Cassidy frowned. The front porch had obviously not been swept in weeks. It was strewn with grimy children's ride-on toys and pieces of colorful plastic, likely remnants of a long-forgotten Easter egg hunt. She scuffed and shuffled up the leaf-littered driveway and grimaced. Her mother had been right. She shouldn't have worn her expensive suede boots. She hated when her mother was right and her mood soured further. Her face was flushed with heat in spite of the cold, and she ripped her pom-pommed hat from her head in an effort to cool off. She was just mounting the top step when the door flew inward, sucking in a handful of leaves and pushing out a child wearing a green bean-colored jogging suit and no shoes. Cassidy, you're here! The child collided with her, and she absorbed the impact as a TV commercial mattress absorbs a bowling ball. Yes, tis I, your favorite sitter come to sit upon you. It was a long-running joke between the duo, and the expected giggles emanated from the child. But where are your shoes? Get back inside. This weather will be the death of you. And get a broom and go after those leaves, she finished, throwing a glance around the room. As expected, the mess in the place was such that a handful of leaves was lost within it. To Cassidy's left was a pile of abandoned grocery shopping. To her right was a tall pile of wood for the fireplace. Before her sprawled a kitchen island strewn with the remnants of uncountable numbers of meals and snacks. Wrappers, plates, pots, pans, cups. The sink beyond was overflowing. Cassidy sighed. She took her backpack off and withdrew her apron and a pair of washing up gloves from it. She slipped out of her coat. Where are you with that broom, she called. And the child, whose name was Evelyn, reappeared. Can't find it. She climbed up onto a bar stool opposite where Cassidy stood at the sink and brushed her uncombed hair from her face. Is your mom coming down? She's left already. Cassidy's shoulders dropped and her gloved hands came to rest on the edge of the sink. Left already? Yes. And where is your brother? The question was asked in motion. Gloves came off. Apron came off. Both were draped upon the banister as Cassidy headed up the stairs. Time's up. Oh gosh, you already you warned us that there was not going to be a beginning, middle, and end. But I'm so disappointed. Um, I love how you this. I, I feel like I always give you the same feedback, and I feel like I, I I feel bad about that. But it's it's always the same. You write characters so well that you feel like you know them within like 200 to 600 words, however long that was. Like I know this character, and I want to know more, and I want to know what's going to happen when she goes upstairs. So. Yeah, well done, Jamie. Thank you. 
Yeah, it was really well done. And from the characters to the description of the mess, like I could almost smell it. Hmm. Because I've been like, my husband's a pastor. So you go to visit people who are in need. Mm -hmm. And I've been in homes like that a lot um, where people are just, you know, in survival mode or they're depressed or they just don't know how to cope with life. And like, I could just see it so vividly. Thank you. From your description. Mm-hmm. And Do I hope know? that she didn't come off as like she was judging the situation because that was not what it was about. Right. Like it was just very much. She loves these people. Yeah. I didn't get that at all. I, I got that there was an affection there and yeah. Do you know what she's going to find when she goes upstairs? Um, Not specifically. Mm. Like the baby yeah. is there. Mm-hmm. Needs a change. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I can smell that too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Gosh, really well done, Jamie. Thanks I, for that. I love Friday. <laughs> I, me too. Because I get to see you too. All and right. Not, done. Yeah, not I loved it. Love it because I get to see you too. I don't necessarily love it because I have to write something. I hate Uh-oh. this. As soon as I was done writing and the alarm went off, I said to Tina, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. So Widows of the West book two, actually, because I couldn't, I just was not inspired to do anything. I'm like, all right, I don't have anything hardly at all in the story. I know the story. I don't have anything. So like, I'm not ruining anything in my mind. I think I'm so far in any all my other stories that like, I just couldn't see anything. So anyways, here we go. What do you think you are doing? Shane continued hammering in an attempt to drown out the trill of the woman's voice. I said, what are you doing? Shane sighed and turned toward the barn door where the tiny excuse for a woman stood, arms crossed, foot, foot tapping in annoyance at what Shane at what Shane had no idea. I'm adding a door to this room. It will keep the tack dryer during storms. Did Cade tell you to do that? No, he said and returned to his work, hoping she would take the hint and leave. She didn't. Well, I see that when the cat's away, the mice will play. He put the hammer down again. What's that supposed to mean? It means that you are making changes to the property without the owner's permission. Don't you think it's a, that's a bit presumptuous? Shane wanted to tell her that he should be the owner of this property, and if it had been for her untimely arrival, he would have been, but he held his tongue. Listen, I have work to do, and I don't need you quoting Henry V at me while I do it, so I'd appreciate if you took yourself back to wherever you came from and left me be. There was a moment of silence, and then she said, You know Shakespeare? In a shocked voice. Yes, um, he said in his best southern voice. They let some of us <laughs> They let some of us read nowadays, ma'am. <laughs> that's, that's that's All right, I'm so glad you laughed because I was yeah. yeah. Okay, the end. That's it. That moment where it's like, I'm so insulted that you are shocked that I have a modicum of intelligence yeah. was just worth it for sure. Jen, I don't know why you hate it. That That's like gold that you got right there. Oh, good. Yeah. That's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, they let some of us read. <laughs> that was really awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to share too much, but honestly, I feel like I sprint the sprints show so much of my stories to our listeners that there's not going to be any shock to anything to them. So um, like the premise of this is, is that he is a quarter black and his dad uh, 
actually accepted him and he was educated in the North and as much as he could as, you know, and, um, but then when his dad died, the oldest brother basically kicked him Mm. to the curb. So, so he is, he is light skinned. He is um, intelligent, but of course the love interest is an old Southern bell. So that's where all the, you know, conflict is. So. Anyway, love it. Piper says tiny excuse of a woman. R-O-F-L. That's funny. I always feel like tiny women are treated more femininely. I can't spell it, but I feel it. Yeah, I know what you mean, Piper. (laughs) Like they're treated like children sometimes. Yeah. Shell says great bit of harmless sarcasm, Jen. Oh, good. Yeah, I think that's why I like Marnie and Mr. Boss so much because you feel like with your more modern woman voice, you really kind of let that fly. <laughs> it's all about the snark. They're not so much yeah. worried about prim and proper. <laughs> right. But anyway, yes, love it. Love it all. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. All right, Miss Tina. What's Okay, so I didn't use the quote. I... I'm the only one. I should get extra points. <laughs> like I win. You get extra points. We will concede. Okay. But I did kind of go literal on the phone. Ooh, all right. <clears throat> They're gone. The car just pulled out of the driveway. Let's go. Faisal ran out of the small opening in the wall and out onto the slippery linoleum of the kitchen. It was. It had just enough bounce to it to keep to, for him to stop himself before he got too far. He turned back to the hole. Come on, guys, he called. Fritz stuck his nose out, his whiskers twitching. I don't know, Faisal. It doesn't feel safe. Freddy's voice could be heard deeper inside the wall. I don't care what he says. I'm not going out there. I'm telling you guys. She had the cat's crate in her hand when she left. He's not here. And there is a nice-sized lump of food still in his bowl. Mm. Faisal licked his mouth, his tongue pulling his whiskers flat for a moment before they sprang back up. He came a little further out into the kitchen. I can smell it. It smells delicious. Don't care, Freddy's voice echoed from inside the wall. I'm not going out there. Just stay under the overhang, Fritz, Faisal said. It feels more secure than right out in the open. Faisal was all the way out of the hole now, and he followed... I'm sorry, Fritz was all the way out of the hole now, and he followed Faisal as they darted along the edges towards the cat bowl. When Faisal got there, he tried to wait for Fritz, but the smell of the food overcame him, and he shoved his whole snout into the gooey gob. Fritz soon followed, doing the same. It was rapturous. It was ecstasy. (laughs) Faisal ignored the feeling of fullness in his belly. He just kept gulping down food. Fritz panted, trying to catch his breath for just a moment before shoving his snout back into the bowl. They were both so caught up, they didn't hear the soft pad of furry paws (gasps) creeping across the linoleum. It wasn't until the loud hiss sounded just behind them that they were suddenly pulled from their rapture and panic flooded their systems. Run, Faisal screamed, running back toward the hole. He hoped Fritz was behind him. Then Fritz passed Faisal, skittering back into the hole first. Faisal was only inches away when he felt the cat's paw pin down his tail. Something inside him snapped and he turned toward the cat sinking his teeth into the giant paw in spite of the deadly claws that held him. He was free. He dashed into the hole, just as the front door opened, and he heard the woman call, Fluffy, I've brought you a new friend. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) That's so good. Yay, I'm glad that there was no carnage. Yeah, I couldn't kill Faisal. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time. 
reading it, all I heard was somewhere out there. <laughs> oh, I hope I didn't steal their names because I was like, what's a mouse name? No, Fievel is Fievel. No, Fievel. So, but, so you're fine. One you're letter fine. away. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Lots of yeah. response from the chat. Piper says, oh, no, purpose behind the pen. No, with many O's and exclamation points. She also says that was good. And Piper says, R-O-F-L, oh, no, more danger. Yeah, double <laughs> the trouble. Yeah, that was so fun, Tina. Uh, that was a great one to end on. I just love it. Yeah, I love how all of our takes are so different on these prompts. Mm-hmm. And if you want to write to the prompt, mm-hmm. then yours is going to be completely different too. So um, I know we had a listener, this is a while back, someone that we met in person at some point, and they were, they said they were intimidated about writing to our prompts because they said, we're so good at it. And I'm like, you would be too, if you tried it, like we are nothing special. Like we are nothing special. And maybe we're a little bit better at now because we've been doing it for like four years, you know, yeah, go but- back to the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and our first few Please episodes. Don't. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, don't go to, <laughs> if you want a good go to our first few. <laughs> uh, oh, and I had trouble streaming to our YouTube channel today. So if you wanted to see me write mine live, you would have to go to my Facebook. I'm gonna have to figure out it's a tech mm-hmm. issue. Like I kept it kept saying I was reconnected, but then I wasn't reconnected. So sorry, everybody. Mm, that's something you yeah. like. Piper says, yes, practice makes better, but also you ladies are also, oh, thank you for calling us special, but you guys are all special too. We appreciate every single one of you. All right. It's time to close it up. This is when we do our what's next. It's a time for us to share what we're going to be doing next, uh, generally in our professional lives. So Tina, we're going to start with you. What's next for you? Well, my plan next week is to get into the manuscript every day. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, except for Friday, because I usually take Fridays off from writing because of the podcast. Uh, I have to go to an oral surgeon today, though. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really sure if they're going to do surgery because this is my first visit. I think it's just going to be an intake and they're going to do x-rays and all that. Um, but if You've I waited have, so long, this is ridiculous. I, I, I made the appointment in November and we have this huge snowstorm coming in and I'm just praying that they don't like decide to close the office early. Mm. and like cancel my appointment I'd be oh my so, gosh but anyway if i have surgery in my mouth my plans might uh change mm-hmm. um but that's my plan for now what about you jen well i'm gonna wrap up hopefully wrap up the um organizing of the the homeschool room and like that within the next week and then i'm gonna gut my office because i just i need a reset and so that's what my what next, what's next is, is to change my physical environment and hope that it regenerates a desire in me. So what about you, Jamie? What's next for you? I will probably look at calendars of places where I could potentially go and sell the book that doesn't <laughs> exist yet. That's probably a <laughs> rabbit hole that I will fall into. You could be my friend. Like, Ooh, yeah, like the. I mean, uh, you are my friend, but my. You can, <laughs> Thanks, you, could friend. you could be our book. Our book. Uh, what do you call it? Our uh, live the, book event friend. Social proof is what Ben called it, right? Yeah. yeah. You can be my social proof. So that could be like your life. You just travel all year to wherever I want to go. No, I want like places. a proposal. Will you be my social proof? <laughs> like, I want you with a boom box and a trench coat and a sign that you've uh, that you've scrapbooked. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm willing to do that because I'm willing to do that because I can't afford to pay for you to fly here. I can only afford to ask you to pay to fly here. That's great. Oh, this has been a great episode, guys. Yeah, I needed this today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of fun. Thanks again to Ben Wolf. He's uh the second time on, on the show with us. He's got to write out a book, another book, so he can come on with us again. Great guest. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate it. And I him. can't believe how much he looks like my son James. It just boggles <laughs> my mind every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next week, may your pen be prolific, may your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye, everyone. Bye.